welcome to another episode of the Bakari Sellers Podcast. Today we got one of them educational episodes coming on, and we have an episode with somebody who is definitely, I mean, that's a low bar, so don't be offended, but definitely smarter than I. But we are excited to have Mavis Gregg on the show. What's going on? How you feeling? I'm feeling great. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. You know, just bouncing back from the weekend as we always do. We need four or five day weekends. It's never long enough, but it is what it is. Uh, we start each one of our episodes out by having our guests walk us through the arc of their careers. And you've had a unique and diverse career in the law. Walk us through the arc of your career from finishing Pepperdine Law to the work you do now. Yeah, um, I will say that most of my career has been centered around real estate, particularly family owned real estate. When I started my law practice or when I started practicing law, I worked with a small um, practice that did estate planning, estate administration, and then also a lot of real estate closing. And then I went into the big firm life and worked with a large firm that represented a lot of the lenders engaged in the foreclosure crisis of uh, the 20s and then, or 2000s rather, and then um, decided that my work should focus on people who need it the most, <laughs> meaning um, I saw that most people who were impacted by changes in our economy and changes in, um, <clears throat> you know, natural resources, et cetera, were those who were land-rich cash poor. So I decided to focus my efforts on helping families who are land-rich cash poor um, plan to be able to keep their land, but also optimize it as a, an intergenerational asset. And so I started a law firm and did that for a few years. And that led me surprisingly to forestry and started working with the American Forest Foundation um, in a program called the Sustainable Forestry and African-American Land Retention Project. So working with family forest owners, African-American family forest owners throughout the Southeast, um, help them keep their forest, but also be great stewards of their forest. And then more recently, I started the um, I started Airshares, which is a company that's building legal tools to help families with confirming ownership of their family real estate and um, better managing it. That's a weird sentence, but. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's what you do is really dope, especially in South Carolina, along the coast down here. We have people who've owned this their land since they stepped foot here. Right. Since we mm -hmm. were brought here uh mm -hmm. against our will uh but you just said black folk own entire forests you know that's going to shock a lot of people uh when mm -hmm. you hear about the land ownership but before we drill too deep into black land loss and heirs property issues why did you get into this work um like what was the triggering event that decided that fighting land loss and land ownership issues and sustainable forestry was your calling and then talk about mm -hmm. the field itself like what are the numbers behind black land ownership etc yeah um, so my journey is very personal, even though my um, professional experience drew me to working with real estate. My family, most of our wealth has been centered around real estate um, in the Appalachian Mountains, which most people might be surprised that there are African-American families in the Appalachian Mountains, but we're there for many generations. Slavery was very vast, but within a 10-year period, we lost most of our immediate family, including my parents, and became heirs property owners and subsequently lost. Uh, most of our family wealth, which was centered around real estate. So um, I was working for, I was already working with people in real estate, but needed to work for my family and for my community. So that really pushed me into the space. And I was surprised that forestry could play a role, but timber is a huge industry. Natural resources are very important to our resiliency. So it made sense to 
work in a sector that um, could have a proven impact on how families can retain their real estate and actually make it a, a growing asset. Um, and then you asked another question about forestry or mm -hmm. black land ownership, rather. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> I will say that for most Americans, owning real estate over generations is probably an act of defiance. It's not easy to own real estate over multiple generations. Um, and I, uh, particularly was interested in the African-American community because we very quickly after slavery ended and it became legal for most Americans to own real estate, we acquired a lot of real estate and then lost it very quickly because of how our legal system works. And so um, we peaked in the 1920s, which was not that far after slavery. And <laughs> it's now 2021. And I would say, you know, we've come a long way as a community, especially with respect to the legal system. But as far as land ownership, it's actually worked uh, very differently. So when we use terms like land loss and heirs property, what does that exactly mean? Mm -hmm. Well, heirs property um, simply refers to family-owned real estate that's managed or the ownership succession is managed through inheritance. So families passing real estate from through inheritance rather than through a deed. Um, so that's what heirs property is. And then land loss is just, um, I think of it in the context of families, but even communities losing ownership of land to um, perhaps uh, interests that aren't necessarily serving the families in the communities where the land is positioned. And I feel like we get a lot of heat uh, when we use the term, and particularly when I use the term systemic racism. Um, and, and, and black land law strikes me as the kind of textbook example of what systemic racism actually looks like. Can you mm -hmm. connect the dots for listeners between property law, racist systems like slavery and Jim Crow, and how it's all mm -hmm. contributed to the current situation where thousands of black families have lost land that they otherwise rightfully owned? Um, <clears throat> lots to say there, but I will say that, you know, most Americans could not own real estate again until after slavery ended. So that included white women. But after slavery ended, laws were changed and it was more than white men that could own real estate. But then we had the Jim Crow era. And there are laws, there are practices that made it very difficult for families to own real estate. You know, courthouses were literally being burnt down. Records were literally being stolen and so forth. And so a lot of that contributed to, um, you know, our ability or, or inability to retain our land. And it was, the basis was racist. <laughs> you know, the, the basis was, you know, wanting, wanting to work around the, the laws that existed to, to allow Americans, all Americans to own real estate and create um, uh, hardship for those that were being discriminated against. So um, I don't think that, I think it's hard to argue that race did not play a role in the loss of African-American owned real estate. And it still happens today, unfortunately, Bakari. I've seen um, recent cases where the legal system actually supports um, actions that are inherently racist. Um, so there's a lot of work to do. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. At KPMG, our people make the difference. Combining the power of people and technology, we uncover brighter insights. 
innovate bolder solutions and create better data-driven outcomes. KPMG, make the difference. So we understand the problem and the forces that caused it. How do we fix land loss and resolve the heirs' property issues? And what resources do we need to make these solutions a reality? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that I'll start with the legal profession since I'm a lawyer, you're a lawyer. I think that we need a better system, a better ecosystem of lawyers who know how to do this work, who know how to work with families in particular. Um, our, the way our laws are designed, it doesn't necessarily support generational real estate ownership. So I think that we need more lawyers, more diverse lawyers doing this work and not just in the uh, nonprofit sector. I think, in fact, the private sector um, needs to serve family families in maintaining their real estate. Um, I think also people just need to be educated about how real estate can be maintained through uh, in families. <laughs> I think families have this assumption that there's a, a right to own it. There is. But you can also create legal issues by simply passing it through inheritance. You need a comprehensive plan. And so I would encourage folks to think expansively and think of their real estate as a business rather than think of it as just home. It is home, but it's more than that. And we need to treat it like more than that. Yeah, I mean, my family's going through this right now. We have 800 800 acres in South Carolina. Um, Mm -hmm. The individual who took care of it ran the you know, the hunting leases, et cetera, died. And now you got eight mm. different people trying to figure out how they going to do it. Now they all want to sell marijuana on it. I mean, it's a whole, <laughs> it's a, hey, don't be judging my family, Mavis. I hear you over there. Don't be judging. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's the way you said it. But that's important though. You know, we also yeah, see that the, but you're the right though about the plan. For, mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I hope your family has a forest management plan. If not, I have a great forester for you um, by the name of Sam Cook, not the singer. Um, but I think having a forest management plan and having a professional consult the family on what's possible, what's not possible um, would be a great step. And I think we should certainly be considered, we should be considering how we can get involved in the cannabis um, industry because we know that our community has been devastated by the criminal justice system, using air quotes, um, as it relates to marijuana. And I think that our ability to participate on the capitalistic side of it should, should be open and, and free. So let's talk about the USDA here and the role that has played over the years. I, I represented, I was part of lead counsel in the black farmers lawsuit. And so it, I, okay. I feel like that has some parallels to what mm-hmm. what you're doing. But have we seen the Biden administration, Trump administration and Obama administration try to make amends for years of discriminatory practices from the federal government? And what more do we need from Washington to make black families whole? Um, we've seen a lot of changes, a lot of growth with the USDA. The program that I work with, the Sustainable Forestry and African American Land Retention Program, was actually um, um, conceptualized with partners from the USDA, the Forest Service, and the Natural Resource Conservation Service. And the amazing thing is that they have uh, goals that they want to deliver on as it relates to historically underserved landowners and their organizations that are delivering on that, um, like the organizations participating in, in this program I work with, um, including the Center for Air Property Preservation, which is in South Carolina. So the USDA is clearly aware of of the missed opportunities and the past, and I think that they're taking actions. There's a lot of funding that's available to support um, 
I'm using again quotes historically underserved because that is a definition or that is a term um, in the in the regulations. Um, but I think that I think you know right now everyone's looking forward, you know, future forward, and I think families um, need to be aware of the opportunities to participate in programs with USDA, and then also um, we all need to be aware of what's required to qualify. So as it relates to family property. A hurdle in, in participating in a USDA program could be how they own it. And so there is new legislation through the Farm Bill that makes it easier for families to qualify. But I think there's still some hurdles we need to knock out of the way for that. I've come across stories about Wall Street firms and pension plans owning black farmland. It's the weirdest mm-hmm. shit ever. Can you explain how that happens and why they want to own that land? And how do these families fight these large multi-billion dollar firms? Yeah. Uh, okay, big questions. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, as I mentioned, forestry is a big industry. Um, if you think about the, you know, the southeastern United States is the wood basket of America and um, wood products uh, from, you know, timber in our country go across the world. It's a huge industry. In North Carolina, it's over $38 billion a year. So, there's a lot of money in trees. And um, based on my understanding of these companies or these pension plans, they're they're in the in that movement. They're investing or buying um, forests forest to to support the pension plans and so forth. So it is unique, but it is a big area for making money. Um, and then in terms of how families can fight this, I think you know understanding um, what your rights are, understanding how your family property is owned. Um, and then addressing any challenges that make it difficult for you to prove ownership and or defend yourself is really important. And I know that that can be hard because many of our um, agricultural um, landowners are in very rural areas where you don't have black attorneys like me or like you, Bakari. So it can be no, really no, hard. No, 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 no. I don't know how to do areas property. I, I will sit up in there and mess up that bar exam question really tough. But. I do know how to find Mavis. So if y'all call me, we're going to put you in touch with people because right. we were, we were going to do a, you know, this crazy thing is my firm has talked about many times and we're going to, we're planning on doing two different symposiums, one mm-hmm. on expungements where we kind of go to barbershops, beauty shops, help people get yeah. misdemeanors and stuff off their record after they've been clean mm-hmm. for three years. But yeah. we were also going to do an heir's property. But there, as you mentioned earlier, we don't have no lawyers that truly understand right. how to do heir's property. Right. And that's what I hope to do. Not a plug for my company, but that's what I hope to do with AirShares. Um, we're building a learning platform, too, so that we can teach lawyers and foresters and all the service providers how Airs property works and how they can make a difference for Airs property owners. Um, but, yeah, um, a lot of a lot of, of, of the land loss that we're experiencing right now is from corporate um, creditors who essentially are able to buy a share in a family's property and then force the sell of it through the legal system. So it's pretty complex and I hope that we spread the word. So, you know, whether you're spreading the word, Bakari, or <laughs> pointing people to folks like me, I think that's a, an important thing. And I think, again, families need to just um, at least ground themselves in what the current circumstances are and understand what their goals are so that, and, and work towards those goals. And I realize it can be difficult but it's worth it. Um, I've seen families. I had a family that came to me. They had had their family farm for over a hundred years. Black family in rural North Carolina, 
there were about 72 owners. So we went from two owners and then over the 100 years arrived at 100 owners. And a neighboring commercial farm bought one share and erected a fence. <laughs> and they called me two weeks before the hearing on whether the property should be forced to sell. Um, and that's too late in the game. You know, we have to act now. Man, look, and I got a whole, I'm dealing with a property dispute in the Amy Church in South Carolina mm. and a family that, I mean, it's, you, we could talk about this all day. It's that little dark, dark secret of, of the black legal profession that we got to do for our people. So let me ask you this. This is my last question for you. For people who, well, two questions. For people who want to support efforts to fight land loss, what are some of the organizations they can support? That's an easy one. The more difficult part I want you to answer, Mavis, is at my family reunion, let's use the Sellers family. What are the first three steps I should take to get my family organized when we own all this damn land up in Abbeville and figure out how we're going to make sure we use it efficiently? Okay. Um, I encourage folks to check out SFLRnetwork.org. So that's S is in Sam, Frank, L is in Louis, R is in Reggie, SFLRnetwork.org. Um, that has eight organizations that are working with African-American families, forest owners, and just African-American landowners across the Southeast. Um, also, um, look at the Land Loss Prevention Project and, um, the Federation of Southern Cooperatives. So there's lots of Black-led organizations working with African-American families, um, landowners, and that's a great thing. So check them out. Um, also check out airshares.com. And then for your family reunion, I think family reunions are a very great place to talk about family land. And I want to encourage more families to do that. Um, if your family has, ha if your family has been maintaining ownership of the property over generations, um, I think you should first confirm that who the property is owned by. Is it owned by multiple family members? Is it owned by entity, et cetera? So confirming that if, if it is owned by multiple family members, I would suggest that you all start building your family tree. And the family tree should descend from the original owner of the property in your family to the most current generation. And that family tree has been used with an attorney to confirm who the owners are. It's hard to take action, including a hunting license or cutting timber, unless you have all of the confirmed owners and they've consented. So I think that's the first step is to talk and find out what, what the current circumstances are. And then I encourage building asset maps, so a visual inventory of the different resources that you need for your family property. And that can range from an attorney to a cannabis expert to a forester, um, an accountant, et cetera. But identify in advance rather than waiting until the need is there. So, yeah, those are my YouTube. We could sit here all day because this is an issue. One of the things we talk about on the show a lot is black wealth. With black wealth means black land ownership. And Mavis is the key to that. Mavis is going to unlock all the potential for black folk in owning land. But I want to say thank you for joining the Bakari Sellers podcast and spending some time with us. Thank you.